All right, I get it. You want her so badly to succeed, but literally no one can want it more than she does. If she wants it more, she will go get it. If you want it more, she won't want to get it. So I know this is a tough conversation for some, but I hope it's something that you wanted, needed to hear maybe. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. So excited to have you here this week. Before we dive into what this episode's gonna be, have you seen our new merch yet? OMG, OMG. I'm actually sending a bunch of merch to prior guests that have been on the show. Aubrey Monroe is like, I need the awkward shirt. <laughs> so hers is being shipped to her now. A lot of people are digging the ABT logo times the new podcast logo with the cleats. I'm telling you, this stuff is stuff that we spent so much time on, my team and I, creating this almost new branding of the podcast and having actual cleats as our logo. And I love you guys. And I love being able to serve you in a new way because if you love the podcast and you want to rep things that you love, well, now here's your chance. If you go to our website, www.ashleybetraining.com, check out the tab that says empowerment gear, basically all of our apparel from ABT gear to podcast gear. And if you use the code podcast10, podcast10, the number one zero, you can get 10% off your next order of podcast gear or just any other gear that you want. Um, we've created this line specifically for you and I'd hate for you to not know that it's a thing and miss out on it and especially not get that code podcast 1010 to get 10% off your next order. But I can't wait to see some of you guys rocking it. I know a lot of parents have told me, oh my gosh, I'm getting this new hat. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get the tea or the tank. We have our first crew neck. So we have not done a crew neck before. And now officially we have a crew neck with podcast logos on them. So just go check it out. I'm going to challenge you to do that sometime today. And I hope you're not disappointed because we spent a lot of time creating this for you. All right, let's head to this episode. Today we're going to be talking about five things you should not be doing with your athlete. And it's funny because normally when I train my athletes, I try to avoid the word not or don't because not is a negative word. So with that, I'm going to give you five things not to do with your athlete, and then I'll give you an alternative, something that will be much more productive, especially with you and your relationship with your athlete. So again, I'm not trying to tell you how to parent, not trying to tell you how to coach. I'm just giving you some ideas that maybe you haven't thought of that potentially I know we all are doing our best. I'm not here to try to beat you up. 
if you're doing one of these things. I'm here to hopefully encourage you to maybe reframe how we're teaching or communicating or leading our athletes to the success that we we all know that they have inside them. These are things that I've seen personally as a coach. These are things that I've had some of my guests on the show recommend. So some of these you may have heard of before. But all in all, again, we're all trying to do the best that we can with our athletes. So do not beat yourself up here. If one of these is like a, oh yeah, I do this, think of it more as like a, okay, I'm going to try to be better at this. Just choose one. Don't go with all five. It's, it's hard to manage one thing or five things at a time. But just choose the biggest one that maybe sticks out to you that you could be doing a little bit better. And all of a sudden, your athlete's going to start seeing that you you are that team, and she does want to do well, and she knows that you're a part of that growth with her. And all in all, I just hope this builds your relationship with your athletes more. So this first one is actually what led to this episode being recorded. It's a very recent one for me, but I've seen a lot of coaches try to give like 45 different things to their athlete to think about or focus on. And it's funny because the first time I started playing golf, that's exactly what my husband did. He's like, try thinking about keeping your head still. Try thinking about locking out your front elbow. Try thinking about, oh my gosh, so many things, like leaving with your hips, all this stuff. And when I try to think of all of the things, I am no longer focusing on one thing. And now my head is literally what Sue Inquist called in the episode that we had with her scrambled eggs. We don't need scrambled eggs up there. Now, I know you want what's best for her, and I know you know that she does need to be better at these things, but if you tell an athlete 45 different things, your athlete's going to look lost and defeated, and she's just going to want to leave that conversation ASAP. So we don't need to be talking down and saying you need to be doing all of these things. So instead, work with her. Ask her questions. So And, and really start with one thing, like the biggest thing. They call it a needle mover. What's the biggest needle mover that if your athlete focuses on one this one thing, it should hopefully help a few other elements as well. Because if you give her too many things, she's going to feel lost. And when I say ask her questions, ask her what it, what it feels like. So if she's doing all these funny things in her mechanics, a lot of times just focusing on keeping your head still can fix a lot of those things. So I'm just giving a prime example with hitting, but you defensive coaches, you um, pitching coaches, catching coaches, like give them one thing. And then when they do it, a lot of times and only focus on one thing, they will likely make an adjustment right away. And if they do ask them, okay, what did that feel like? And that's the hardest question. If you haven't asked your, asked your athletes what things feel like, they won't have an answer, but help guide them towards the, oh, did it feel like you were more balanced? And they're like, oh yeah. Did it feel like, I'm talking hitting, your barrel felt like it was on plane longer? Yeah. How was the impact on the bat? Pretty solid? Yeah. Give them these things, these light bulb moments for them. And don't give them 45 million things. It just does not work. Don't let your athlete become defeated because of all of the 45 things that you're giving them. So do not talk down to her. Do not give her 45 things that she needs to work on. Give her one thing and lead her through what that feels like. It'll help her own her swing, own her adjustments. Because I don't want your athlete to think, oh, wow, they think I'm so bad at all these different things. That's how I felt when my husband was trying to tell me 45 things. I don't need to know that I have 45 things wrong. I just need one thing to think about to try to just make it a little bit better. 
That's all they need to. So that's my advice for number one. The second one, I might get some eye rolls here, but at least this was for me. Some athletes might be motivated by this. You know your athletes well. They know themselves better than anyone. So maybe have this conversation, but do not compare your athlete to someone that's on their team. Because if you say, oh, so-and-so is doing this or so-and-so is doing this, I'm telling you the only thing that they're going to hear is I'm less than that person. I'm less than what you expect me to be. I am not living up to the potential that I wanted to be living up to for you. And again, I know you're doing it with the best intentions. Like, hey, so-and-so keeps her head down when she fields the ball. So-and-so runs through first base. No, no, no. If you're going to compare her to someone, do it to like an athlete who's playing for Athletes Unlimited or the Women's Professional Fast Pitch League. Somewhere, someone that's like literally in the shoes that she wants to be in because she's not going to read it the same if you're trying to tell her to be like somebody on her team. But if your athlete has said to you, oh, I want to play at Texas, I don't know, a random team that came to mind, then comparing her to you know one of the players that is in her position and be like, hey, look how she does this. Because then she's going to be more motivated to work on that. She's not going to be motivated if you say her teammate's doing it better than her. Because that that's just how I ticked. A lot of athletes feel this way. Again, somebody on her, your athlete might love to be compared to somebody on their team because they know that they're going to outwork them. But you got to be careful with how you deliver it. Because if you say like, hey, look at how so-and-so is doing this. Or so-and-so it has just a better mindset right now at the, in the box. Your athlete, might, her head might go down. She might look at the ground. She might feel bad. And we don't want that, obviously. And obviously, you don't want her to feel that way. But just be careful how you deliver it. So don't compare to other people. Instead, remind her how far she has come. So if you're going to compare her, maybe compare her to her past self. You're like, hey, remember that one time the backhand was so bad and now we rock it? She's going to feel empowered from that conversation. And then also like comparing her to who she's going to become is sometimes a motivating factor too. So keep it internal. That That's a big thing for me. Like if you tell me like, hey, in about six months, we're going to have that high pitch mastered. Keep reminding her that. Not, hey, do you see how so-and-so hits the high pitch on your team? Again, empower her by maybe comparing her past self to who she is now like in a good way, like, hey, look how far we've come or her future self and like, hey, this is where we're headed as long as we keep this path. That's how she can stay motivated and kind of own this journey. And again, maybe the comparison factor of like, hey, Janae Jefferson is doing all this great stuff. She's doing it. I think we can do that too. What do you think? And let her own and answer that question herself. I think that's huge. All right, number three. This one's big. My dad talked about this on his episode. I don't remember if it's the first episode with him or the second, but he talks about not sharing stats with me. This is a big one. Stats kill. <laughs> and stats, okay, people say stats don't lie. Stats do lie, especially hitting stats. And let me tell you why. Because you could have hit the crappiest ball, like the worst contact, the crappiest swing on a bad pitch, and it bloops over second base and it's a hit. I mean, it's a hit. Don't get me wrong. So like you made something happen. That's great. But if you're going to say that's going to be a hit and then the hardest ball that you hit all day that you literally hit the best ball line drive over the center fielder's head, she makes this diving catch and play. 
and that's not a hit, what are we comparing here? A lot of kids go 0 for 4 and have four very solid contacts. So therefore, the stats for the day aren't going to really comply with how she's feeling in the box. She's probably feeling dang good, and that's why she's hitting the ball hard. That's when you say, just keep doing what you're doing, right? But if you tell her, oh, your stats on the weekend were 600, and it's almost like, okay, half of those were bloopers and not great hits, it's almost like false confidence. Instead, I would rather your athlete know how she's feeling. And that's, that's how my dad approached it in the conversation on when the cleats come off. I'll make sure to tag it in the show notes below. But he knew my stats always because he was the coach and he had to make sure um, he was putting the great lineup together that he believes can be efficient. But a lot of times it has more to do with like, do I have confidence in this kid right now? And I just think it's a great idea to just not share the stats, especially from hitting Because if you do that, they have this like, oh, in order to be seen, I have to get this number. And I will say without knowing my stats in high school ball, I hit like 650, somewhere above 600. And not once did I know I was hitting above 600. I was just up there trying to crush pitches. I was just trying to go up there and do my job. I was just trying to go up there and score runners. And if I were to think about that number, I would overthink everything. Like, oh my gosh, I hit a line drive to the pitcher and she caught it. Now my stats are going down. This is how athletes think. They should not know their stats, especially from the hitting perspective. One other story I've shared on this podcast before, but if you haven't heard it, I was playing at the University of Georgia and this is my first time ever playing there. And they have this massive jumbotron And they have massive pictures of us. They have the lineup. And next to our name is our stat. And at the time, I was hitting well above 400 and had no clue whatsoever I was hitting well above 400. And then after, so I knew it was up there. And I was like, wow, that's pretty good. And I go up to bat and I hit a hard ball to the second baseman or something. And she catches it. And she catches it. And I saw my numbers go down. And even though I should feel good about the fact that I just hit it really hard, now I'm feeling bad because now I'm, what if I'm under 400? And the whole weekend I'm like, don't go above or below 400. Don't go below 400. I was below 400 after that weekend. It was the worst weekend of my entire career that I can think of. And the only reason why was because I was literally thinking and focusing on my stats. Don't recommend. Do not recommend. Instead of sharing stats, ask how she feels. How do you feel in the box? I don't feel very balanced. Okay, great. Now we know that we're going to work on balance this week. How do you feel in the box? I feel super strong. Great. Keep doing what you're doing. Get a pulse of what they're feeling because half the time we're wrong. Sometimes I'll see an athlete and I'll be like, she just doesn't look like she's in a good mood. And I'll be like, how are you feeling? She'll be like, I'm awesome. I'm great. I had this great day. I did this. Uh, And I'm just like, okay, awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Because her again, feeling empowered has a lot to do with it coming from her. And if you tell her her stats, that is intangible evidence of things that don't really matter. All in all, they don't really matter. You're not going to get recruited just because you're hitting 600 in high school. Sure. It's a nice little stat to kind of add, but like coaches want to know that you can compete and you might be hitting 600. And I will say most of the pitchers that I saw in high school were not that good, which is obviously why I didn't hit 600 in college. Nobody does. But do you guys see how this works? 
Coaches want gamers. We should want gamers. We should want somebody who's feeling good in the box. So instead of sharing her stats with her, ask her how she feels. She's performing. Let her own this conversation. All right. Number four, Quattro. Do not want it more than her. It's asking for a toxic relationship. As a coach, if I want my athlete to figure out this pitch and every time she does it, I'm like feeling like it's like a punch to the gut. How do you think she's feeling? Do not want it more than her. And this is like a very broad statement, but it's, I'm telling you it's toxic. If you literally want her to go play college softball and she doesn't actually physically want it or have a why behind it, like why do you want to play? If she doesn't have that, she's just playing to play, which there's nothing wrong with, but you can't want it more than her. And this is where I think a lot of people think they don't want it more than their athlete, but their athlete thinks that you want it more than they do. And it's less about their journey. And I'm about that's a number five is more about the journey, but it takes away from her game and it being her thing that she owns. And if it's taken away, and if she and clearly, if it's if it's something that you want more than her, she's gonna be like, all right, dad, take it. Like, I don't want it. And she's gonna compare every single performance based on whether she's pleasing you. I went through a stage where I tried to please my dad all the time. It does not work. But again, this has to be something that she owns and that she wants. If she loves basketball, frankly, more than softball, do you know that? I have some players right now that I work with. I'm convinced they like volleyball more than softball. And personally, there is nothing wrong with that. And they're going to keep coming to lessons with me because we love working together and we love growing together. But if they choose volleyball, I'm not that upset with it. Sure, I would love for them to go play softball in college, but like if they don't want it, I'm not going to stand in their way. And I think a lot of people are, they want it because maybe they didn't get it before or it's a dream that you, that you never achieved. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know you, (laughs) but if this is ringing a bell, I think a great idea would be to get on their level and see what it is that they truly want and learn their why. Because if they want it, it's in their hands. It's in their court. So instead of wanting it more than her, remind her what she's capable of. So if she says, I want to go play college softball, remind her that you're going to help her get there. Obviously, it's not just like, hey, oh, you want it? Go get it. I'm not going to help you. No, no, no. We're going to help them get there. But if she wants to go do it, one of the best things my dad ever did for me when I said I wanted to play D1 was okay, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And I think that's pretty powerful. If you can have that relationship with your athlete that's like, okay, what do you want? Okay, how can I help you get there? And just to let you know, you are owning this part. You're going to own this. I'm going to help you with training. I'm going to find you a good coach to work on this stuff with you. But this is your journey. Hold her accountable to it. Do not want it more than her. If you want it more than her, she's going to notice. Kids are smart. They're going to know that this isn't worth it. If they don't truly want it, it's not worth it to them to to suffer through a softball practice. Because some people, they suffer at softball practices, and some people, they love suffering at softball because they know that they're growing and getting better. And some, they have this tough practice, and they're like, I hate this. I'm done. I don't want it that bad. Help them find what it is that they want most. And sad, and some of you, I'm so sorry to say, some of you 
are probably going to have an athlete that stops playing softball. I mean, the numbers are high. A lot of people that listen to it, the numbers are high. But that can't be a defeat on you. That will not be a defeat on you if they don't choose softball. They've learned so much on this journey. And then maybe they choose volleyball or they choose basketball. Well, they love that. They're willing to suffer for that because they love it. They truly do. And most of the kids here, like your kids love it. Our job is to help them keep loving it. So don't want it more than them. But do remind them of where they're headed if they do want it. All right, last but not least, and this has a lot to do with number four, do not rush the process or her growth. Do not do it. This is where the comparison has to do with it. Like if you see an athlete on her team growing faster than her, sure, like you can internally take some notes on maybe why that's happening, but we can't rush this because as soon as we try to rush her growth in her process, she's going to feel like she's always behind. No, she's exactly where she needs to be right now. She is going 0 for 25 because she knows right here, right now that she needs to work on that mental game. She needs to work on that resiliency and, and where she is. And she, again, she might be 0 for 25. That's a big number, but her teammate might be like 25 for 25. And that's where we cannot compare stats. We cannot compare her process and another person's process. No, this, this is just hers. This is just her growth. It takes time to become great. It takes so much time. It takes so many reps. So wherever you are, whether it's a great day or a bad day, let's say at the plate, you're where you're supposed to be. Don't rush this because then she's going to be like, oh my gosh, well, I have to do well. It's kind of the stats thing. Like if she has to do well, if she has to have certain stats, then she's going to be a head case and you don't want that. Nobody wants that. She doesn't want it. You don't want it. Her coaches don't want it. Nobody wants that. Growth takes time, and as long as she's getting a little bit better every day, that's all that matters. Let her, so instead of do not rush her process or growth, let her lead her story and her journey. This is where we can definitely help them. We can help her create her routine for the week. On a Sunday night, the perfect thing to do is sit down with your athlete. And we've heard this before on the podcast from a guest. Sit down the week of, I think Beth Zachary even talks about this. Sit down on a Sunday, plan the week. Okay, you're going to have practice and then we're going to work on pitching for 30 minutes after practice on this day. Oh, we have weights in the morning on this day. We have all of this stuff. Now I will say you can help guide her on this journey. And if she wants If she wants it bad, then yes, our job is to make sure she's training hard. But in order for her to like feel ownership of her game and her growth, let her lead this. Like, hey, do you want to work out before dinner or after dinner today? Hey, do you want to put in a little extra work on the rise ball today? Because we know we've been struggling with it. Guide her to where she should be thinking because we all know that our parents know they know a lot. Athletes that are listening are going to be like, no, they're always wrong. No, when I was 25, I learned my dad was like always right. But let her lead this. Let her take ownership of this. Let her decide how bad she wants it and then hold her accountable to that. It takes time. If you're forcing her to train, she's not going to do it. But her growth and her process should be up to her to decide how much she wants to put into it. 
I want her to be able, and we want our athletes to be able to own their practices. This is where Sundays are perfect. Like, all right, when are we going to practice this week? We should probably practice about four times. When are we going to do it? Let her own her mistakes. If you let her own her growth, she will also start owning those mistakes. Like, hey, yeah, that ball through my legs shouldn't have happened. Dad, can we work on that this week? The dream. This is how you give her. This is your dream. This is this is your thing. A lot of people that sign up for my virtual hitting academy, they told me they're like, Ashley, my athlete, um, we're, I'm going to give you her email. She's going to get the emails from you. She's going to get the assignments. She's going to log in and, and book her Zoom calls with you. She's going to do all this, all this, all this. And I'm like, that's incredible. Because those are the athletes right now inside Academy that are showing up for themselves and growing the most as far as we've started this two-month journey so far. Because they have ownership of it. And when they have ownership of it, they do it. But when mom and dad signs them up for everything, they're like, oh my God, to do this today. And you don't see the growth. It's not the same. She'll start earning her swing, her game, her defense, her pitching, her catching, like all of it. Let her own the journey and keep her accountable to it. Check in, make sure she's, she's definitely doing the right things, but if she's gradually improving. She's where she's supposed to be. All right. I get it. You want her so badly to succeed, but literally no one can want it more than she does. If she wants it more, she will go get it. If you want it more, she won't want to get it. So I know this is a tough conversation for some, but I hope it's something that you wanted, needed to hear maybe. I like ruffling feathers, but I like doing it because I know it's going to help your athlete. And I hope this conversation does so. So don't talk down to her. Don't give her 45 things to think about. Give her one thing at a time and ask her how she feels. Two, do not compare her to other people. Compare her to her past self and her future self and keep her accountable to that. Three, don't share her stats with her. Ask her how she feels. Ask how she's performing, and she'll start owning that. Number four, do not want it more than she does, because if you want it more than her, she's not going to want it. She's going to want to back away. This is why a lot of people quit. Frankly, this is why a lot of people quit. When somebody, when the kid knows that you want it more than her, she wants it less. Let her take ownership. And number five, do not rush her process. Keep her accountable to the process. Be there holding her hand to help her with the process, but let her own it. Let her own it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm going to make sure that I put some of the elite parents and coaches that we've had on the show that I referred to in this episode in the show notes, like Beth Zachary, my father, Sue Inquist, other people that really made an impact on some of this conversation. If you were interested in it and wanted to learn a little bit more from those amazing resources and people. Also, if you love this episode, please write a review and share this with a friend. I know I say this often, but truly I wouldn't be able to have the guests that I have without your support. Um, and this growth of the podcast is all thanks to you. And those of you who are sharing this on social media, sharing this via email, whatever. And I will tell you that next week is a huge guest, a huge guest. Thanks to you. We've been able to have a great guest. Um, we've had so many great guests on the show, so many, and next week's a big one. I'm so excited to introduce you to her. And without further ado, don't forget, just like our, on our new mug and our t-shirt, Stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. And don't forget, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. See you next week.